Second appearances in the NHL Final Four, both losses to the eventual champion Lightning, including heartbreak in Game 7 in June. These moments will be remembered because of the challenges everyone faced over the last two years and the joy they brought in a difficult time. But we all know, for the New York Islanders in 2022, there is only one goal, the Stanley Cup. So now here we are, back to the full marathon of a six-month regular season, before we even think about the two-month mountain of the playoffs. There's the return of fans and arenas to full capacity, the opening of the Islanders' very own world-class venue on Long Island, something many of us thought we'd never see. On Thursday night, the Islanders opened the 2021-22 NHL season in Carolina. They do so as a legitimate top contender for the Stanley Cup. The players believe, many of the faithful believe, but can they win it all? This is Islanders 4Check, a bonus series of the Hockey Press Pass podcast brought to you in part by the Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village, Long Island. Unplug your game, buy board games, play board games, food and drink, fun and friends. For those of you who don't know me, I am the producer of Hockey Press Pass along with the host, Chris Botta, who many of you know, whether you're diehard Islanders fans or you've become fans of the podcast over the last couple of weeks. Just a, a quick background for me. I work in New York media. I work at WFAN, the radio station in New York City. I'm also a broadcaster, mainly for some local college teams, Rutgers, LIU on Long Island, but a fan of the Islanders uh, basically since I was 12 years old, uh, just before they got John Tavares, and I have really grown to love this team a lot. And I think this is going to be a lot of fun, Chris, in between some of the the episodes that you have with our traditional podcast of interviewing some of hockey's most well-known media and broadcasters for us to kind of talk about the Islanders, a team that you worked for for several years and a team that I have grown to love over the last decade and a half. This is basically going to be every couple of weeks or I guess whenever we see fit after a crucial stretch of the season or a couple of big games. We're going to have some of these bonus episodes of the Press Pass podcast. We'll check up on the Islanders' season. We'll give our opinions, our observations, and of course, we will respond to your fan questions whenever you have them. So, Chris, without further ado, should we get right to it? I say we get right to it. Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to the fans for the shoulder programming. It's an absolute joy to be here. So much on the line. The idea of Islanders for check is to literally just check in every couple of weeks and see how they are in their run for the Stanley Cup. Let's go to it, Pat. All right, Chris. And we begin as we're recording here on Wednesday night with breaking news. <laughs> this is unbelievable. We, we could do 20 of these shows and never have this happen. I mean, the Islanders don't make that much news. Unbelievable. Go ahead. Report from Darren Drager. Hearing the New York Islanders and Ryan Pulak have agreed to an eight-year extension just under $50 million. Chris, your thoughts. The Islanders have their defensemen, their defensive pair locked up here for a long time. Yeah, so you got Pulak and Pellet now under fair team friendly contracts. I'm gonna throw a parade, but this is this is big. This is now having two of them, both guys who if they became unrestricted free agents would sign for a lot more with other teams. So it's now two guys committed. So this is a report from Darren Drager, the great Darren Drager, scoop master of TSN. Every reason to believe it, but what a way to start the show. As I said, we, 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 I, I can't believe this happened. You can't make this up as we're starting to record our first Islanders podcast. 
Oh, what does this mean? I mean, what does this mean for the team? I mean, two solid defenders, uh, you know, the, for the arguably the best defensive team in the entire league. They get their two guys under contract for a long time. And they come in at a number combined at around 12, 13 a year, which isn't much, you know, uh, Dougie Hamilton signed for nine. And I'm not here to disparage the other contracts because they have their reasons. I, I know Tom Fitzgerald did his thing with Doug Hamilton and Seth Jones, but this is a really team friendly number. And, Again, I, sometimes I'm hesitant to throw out that culture word, but the re, but this is getting done at this number because these players want to not just be here in the new arena on Long Island in New York. They want to be on this team that obviously has not been the case for 30 years or so prior to it. It's big. It's a reasonable price. It still enables them as the cap goes up or as the team changes, if they have to make changes to make the moves that they want to make. So this is an incredible job uh, by Lou Lamorello. And again, credit to the player, Ryan Pulak, for the commitment. And they get it out of the way before opening night as well. You know, This went down around 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Wednesday night. And you mentioned it. I mean, this gives them flexibility. And not only these guys want to be here, obviously they want to win a cup. Yeah. And keep in mind, it is a report that, you know, we don't know when the Islanders will announce it. Perhaps it will actually formally announce it on the day of their first game. It doesn't feel Islander-ish to me or something that Lou Lamorello would do, but a top insider and in Darren Draker has this. This means it gets done. This wasn't the case. You know, they weren't breaking uh, that Palmieri was signed or Sezikis was signed before the Islanders announced it. We assumed that it was. So I'm going with Draker. I'm sure this is true. I don't know when they're going to formally announce it. But, yeah, it's another positive, good, vibey thing to start the season. Yeah, and you said you're not going to throw a parade. I mean, with the deals done and how well they get done with Lamorello and the years and the and the money that they that the Islanders dish out, I think it's as close to being able to throw a parade <laughs> before the first game of the season as you can get. Yeah, no, it, it's a it's cause for celebration. I guess sometimes we oh we make too big a deal about contracts positively and negatively. But yes, that said, there, there's very little negative to see about this. This is an outstanding player who is still just kind of getting into his prime. He has many, many good years left, and the Islanders now have him under contract for all of them. All right, so let's move on, and let's look at how the season begins. Right off the bat, 13 straight games on the road. UBS Arena, not quite ready yet. A lot of folks thought it might be ready for the regular season, but now the Islanders begin the year with a tough 13-game road stretch. So I, I think, Chris, the first thing to kind of look at is how are they going to come out of this? You know, they're playing a lot of good teams in this road stretch. They're playing Carolina. They're playing Columbus. They're playing Vegas. I, I guess to start it off, what, what's your overall predictions? What's your overall thoughts on the first 13 games of the year? Well, that's cool. All right, then I'm going to go right to it. I'm going to say that in those 13 games, they're going to go 8, 4, and 1 for 17 points. Now, that's a lot. That's a high bar. That's what a, a great team should do. But one of the reasons I feel good about this, even though they didn't play well on the road last season, is this is, a, this is 13 straight games on the road, but it's not a 13-game road trip. There's a few games here. Then they come home. 
They have several days of practice on Long Island. There's one stretch where they the only game in a week is in New Jersey. So everybody's flying charter. They're back in their airport, you know, from these road trips at midnight, one and two in the morning. They get a good night's sleep. So they're going to have plenty of practice time. And also keep in mind, Pat, like they've been together for the last month or so. Like these guys have been home. So is it going to be easy? No. Some of the uh, competition is very tough. Some is actually on the weak side. We have an Arizona game, a Columbus game. Those are teams they should win. So I'm not concerned about a negative, very negative impact. In fact, I think they're going to go uh, do really well. So I'm going with a, a fairly high water mark of 17 points, and let's go with eight, four, and one. Okay, and and Chris, we, we've had prior discussions to this podcast. You told me you felt like you were more of a conservatist rather than a all-out optimist. I, I think 17 points is is pretty optimistic. It's very optimistic. I was going to go with 16. I think well, that- I, listen, I got to go back at you on that. I, I am skeptical about the bigger picture of the Stanley Cup in eight months. I'm just looking at this 13-game sna- uh, snapshot. This is a team that should play pretty well on the road with this system, this coach. Okay, fair enough. I was going to go one point lower than that. I think 7-4-2. and two. Um, You know, you mentioned it perfectly. The league kind of gave them a break. They've got a five-day break in between that first and second stretch of the road trip. They've got a three-day break after that second stretch. So it's it's not like the grinder of a traditional road trip. You know, there are some soft spots in the trip with the rest. You mentioned they'll be able to come home. So, you know, although 13 road games looks like, you know, road warriors, looks like a really tall uh, first scale of the mountain. You know, and, and again, I mentioned some of those games, Florida, Tampa Bay, Carolina, Vegas. It's, it's not that daunting. And, and honestly, what better way to challenge a group of, of gritty vets, the oldest team by age per player, in the NHL than to give them some adversity right out of the gate. And, and plus for guys like Chara and Parise and and, uh, and others, it'll, you know, it'll give them a time, some really good time to gel together on the ice. It'll give them some time to bond off the ice and hopefully give this group another level of chemistry that I, I think will surely pay dividends in the long run. And, and again, plus, they had an entire second half of the season on the road in 2020 with the bubble. They had a season unlike any other again last year, playing just within the division so Trotz mentioned it. They're not complainers. They're used to it. I, I don't think this 13-game road stretch is, 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 is all that daunting. And if you look back in history, and this is a team that is trying to win a Stanley Cup that has put it in their sights, uh, the Islander Cup years and for years after, so Bill Torrey, the master architect of those Stanley Cup teams, they didn't start with 13 games, but they often started with four or five going to Calgary, Edmonton, L.A. That was something that that team wanted to do because it helped the guys to get together and bond. I was on some of those trips in the the late 80s as well. So this should be a positive. And again, I I just I like the record. So we're actually not so far off. My question for you now, Pat, is when you look at this early stretch, not just the first 13 games, let's say the first quarter of the season, who is a key Islander in your opinion? I think it's it's not too cliche to go with El Capitan. I think it's Anders Lee. Coming off the ACL injury, he was having a tremendous season to start last year, and he doesn't seem to have really any rust about him at all. Barry said he looks like a beast in the preseason games. He's already scored a couple goals, had a couple of assists in the preseason games. And, you know, this is the guy that, that leads this team. He is the face and he is the heart and soul of everything that this team stands for. Tremendous defensive play, energy, 
giving your will, giving it 100% night in and night out. He is what he is a true Islander. It's why he's the captain. And I think not only because of his leadership qualities that he possesses, but I think also his play. I, I think he's going to come out of the gate ready to go. I think he's going to be looking to score. I think he's going to be looking to to provide some goals for, for Barzell. And, uh, and again, you know, I, I think his play in the first 13 games, this road trip, the first key part of this season, I think the play of Anders Lee is going to dictate just how well they do. It'll also be a reminder of what they were missing in the playoffs last year. You know, we, we forget because to their credit, they didn't use it as an excuse. But, you know, Lee was out. Like, they didn't, <laughs> if they had him, it, it could have been the difference in that Tampa Bay. You know, one goal from the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. It's hard to believe that Andrews is a guy who was drafted in the sixth round, who was in high school and was a quarterback as much as a hockey player. I uh, wound up going to Notre Dame for hockey, but incredible job by the scouts back then, some of them who were still with the team. And the other thing that, that hits me about Andrews Lee is I watched some of the exhibition games, and then the ones where he played, it's like he didn't miss a beat. Yeah. He's parked in front of the net. He's doing the leadership thing, two goals the other night. So I suspect this is a guy, and we'll get to it later, who's going to rack up a lot of goals this year. My pick is Noah Dobson, a younger player in this case, a 12th overall pick. I was looking back on his draft and watched the replay of when he was picked and how everybody thought he was going to go fifth or sixth. And for some reason, he slid, which was a great gift to the Islanders. It was Lou Lamorello's first draft. Garth Snow was still there as a consultant for that offseason and it was kind of a surreal scene but Dobson is now I believe he's going to be 22 in January so this is around the time that you start he's been good so far don't get me wrong I'm not going to say he's out to have a breakout season because I think he's established himself but if he can take that next step whether it's with Char as his partner all season or whether that changes but to be whether he becomes a more even reliable uh, player that is one of those things that's going to take this team from being one of six or seven teams that are being talked about the Stanley Cup to even, you know, they are an absolute, absolute favorite. So I'm a big fan of Dobson. He's been brought along the right way uh, by the coaching staff, by the development people like Eric Cairns who, who work the Islander system. And I'm really excited to watch Dobson this year. Yeah, and again, you know, the last two years for so many of us has felt like an eternity, <laughs> obviously with the pandemic. And the stop and start of the of the season to you know last year in, in in 2020, I think a lot of people forget he is only 21, and you said he's not going to be 22 until January. You know, he plays, I think, well beyond his years. So I think obviously that's another thing too that uh, is definitely going to help his progression. Uh, Chris, you know, moving forward now, you know, obviously once they get through those first 13 games, they will have Calgary. In just over a month from now, it'll be the grand opening of UBS Arena, their first game in the new beautiful state-of-the-art state uh, building. As somebody who has spent thousands of hours inside the barn and everything it became known for, the home of, of Long Island, the, the place that was old, but it was, it was beautiful in every sense of the word. It was magic, so much history there, so many Stanley Cups in the, in the late 70s and the 80s. What do you think the impact of this new arena of UBS and everything that it brings for this franchise as they seem to continue on this new era once they got Lamorello and they got Barry Trotz? What do you think this arena does for this team this year? 
Uh, listen, in, in over the long haul, it, it's going to be magical. It's everything that this franchise has wanted for a long time. It's actually an emotional thing for me because like, I worked for the team for 20 years. I get it. Everybody's sick of me saying that, right? The entire time I worked there, and by the way, I also haven't worked for the team in about 12, right? Yeah. But the entire time that I was there, they were always talking about a new arena, right? It wasn't just meet me at the lighthouse. Bill Torrey, who was the GM only until about 1992, he had plans in the draw of his desk for a building. So this is a moment that we didn't know would ever happen. And, and, and certainly if you were to look back on the things that I wrote and said over the years, back when I used to do Point Blank, uh, there were times where it looked bleak there were times it looked great so it's an emotional thing it's an unbelievable thing and most importantly they the building they've gotten it right i'm not surprised with the people like luicki who are involved in lamorello and the islanders ownership so overall that's positive the part of me that is cautious just in the short term opening night it's going to be incredible i'm forward to going to games and then the season i just I, i'm guarded against people thinking that it, the magic translates to wins all the time or at a steady pace early on. Because if you look at the history of other teams opening buildings, I think that's the expectation. But even though this has a lower ceiling and you know the fans are going to take this personally and they're going to be loud, they're going to make sure it's as loud as the old place was, the wins don't always come just because you open a new place. Lastly, we played the first game a long time ago. So long ago, uh, Todd Bertuzzi was in the lineup. We played the first game in Boston's new arena. I think it was called the Fleet Center back then after the Boston Garden closed. It, it wasn't the same for Boston for a while. They had to get used to it. The New Islanders Arena has a lot more suites, has fancy swanky bars that there. Everybody saw the ads for over the last week. Yeah, it the, looks the great. Club. Yeah, the Hyundai Club. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. I hope I get to go someday. Right, <laughs> the, the but, coolest but, sports but, bar but, in New York. They're calling it. Right, but it can't help but change the atmosphere, right? As Islander fans, we used to sit here and talk about the garden and how everybody in the, the seats down below in the clubs, you know, were clinking their glasses and maybe weren't as loud as certainly the, the Ranger fans in the blue seats or the Islander fans in most areas of the Coliseum. So you can't just sit here and just assume that it's going to always be raucous. Um, again, I believe the fans know this and they're going to take this personally and prove that the home ice advantage remains. It just doesn't exactly translate to win. So I wouldn't be surprised if they have a strong road trip, as we've both projected, but then they come home and then in some of these games, there's a couple of games, like we saw Tampa crap the bed in the after raising yeah. the banner, uh, probably just tanked out. I get it. Motion. Um, I just wouldn't be surprised if there are some moments where it's like, hey, we're only playing 500 hockey in the first eight games in, El in Elmont. It, it wouldn't be a shock to me. I I'm just cautioning against it. That's all. In the big picture, it's an unbelievable thing that's going to be here now for this next generation. I can't, could possibly be happier about it. It's also about 10 miles from my house. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I, I, like you, I mean, like you said, I, I think it is going to be loud as hell. And I think even in the playoffs, too, it's, it's going to be even louder. Because I think you're now attracting, like you said, a new generation of Islanders fans. 
you know, fans who whose parents grew up in the 70s and experienced those championships. And then obviously the team went through the struggles in the early and the mid-2000s. And now here in the last couple of years, it seems, you know, it, it kind of seems like there's that new magic again. And I, so I think you'll obviously get a new group of younger fans, you know, guys, guys and girls in their teens and their young 20s that say, wow, like there really is something special here on Long Island and in a beautiful park with Belmont too. Um, I, I think it's going to be great. Um, it, becomes, it becomes a destination place for, for prospects of the Islanders, for guys playing in Bridgeport, for kids growing up around here. You know, we talk about this a lot in soccer and what's happened in the U.S. where all these stadiums opening. You know, the Islanders finally have that place that, you know, listen, the Coliseum, it just isn't the same. This is a special building. I know there's a lot of hype around it, but it deserves it because they got it entirely right. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, as, as again here, as we're embarking on opening night and the beginning of this season, so far looking at this team, for you, what's been the best story either of the offseason or the preseason here over the last couple of weeks? I have to, you know, I, I'm sure this has been addressed plenty, but just briefly, at the Adam Pellick re-signing is just, uh, you know, he comes in at an amazing number, and... This would have been something that I absolutely would have been wrong about if I was constantly blogging, reporting, or podcasting about the team because Pellick signed thanks to Garth Snow, who did a great job after his drafting and his, his rookie contract. His next contract was for four years at $1.6 million a year. That is dirt. That is chump change for a player of his quality who was about to emerge. So they got him on a really good contract then. So I'm thinking, all right, well, the next one is where they're going to pay the price. He continues to get better and better. He's one of the top, uh, uh, certainly defensive defensemen in the league. And he comes in at under $6 million on a long-term deal. So uh, that is an incredible job uh, by Pellick, uh, certainly by his agent, Paul Capizano, uh, by Lou Amarello and the Islanders crew. You know, that that is a big, big victory. Listen, he's not going to be somebody who probably will win in Norris because the points aren't there and the points seem to offensive. Stats seem to count for way more than they should uh, forever, by the way. It's not a new thing. But this is a great player, a top two, you know, a top pair defender for the Islanders on a contending team, and they have him locked up. So from Snow and the scouts to Lamorello and the people doing the numbers to the agent and also Adam Pellick, who decided, okay, sure, maybe I could make a little more if I went completely unrestricted free agent when yeah. that was available to me. But he decided this is where I want to be. It goes back to the arena. It goes back to the culture, to the organization. Pellick wanted to stay an Islander. There's no other way to, to interpret that. He wanted to be here, and they got him at a great number, which will enable him to do other things down the road. Yeah, you know, for me, I'm going to go with uh, – I'm, I'm all in on the solo hype. I'm all in on the on the solo <laughs> train here. Somebody that we might not even see maybe for a couple of months, Robin Solo, uh, the young Finnish defender, you know, just turned 23 on Wednesday night. Uh, you know, young defender that, that seemingly plays like a 10-year NHL vet. You know, Barry and all the other guys have said about him, he's calm, he's poised, doesn't panic under pressure, he makes the smart pass, tremendous skater. You know, it's, it's easy to see why he's drawing comparisons to Nick Letty, right? So, you know, with, with good reason. Um, and, you know, I watched the, the preseason game against Philadelphia. He put Travis Konechny on skates. No pun, no pun intended. 
Um, so you, you saw, you got a firsthand glimpse of just how good of a skater he is. And, and like the rest of this Islanders defensive group, he, he's physical. You know, he finishes hits. He's 6'1". He's got a good size, good frame. I think the sky is potentially the limit for him. There is a lot of hype about him. I'm buying in on it. And I really do hope, hopefully not because of injuries, but I do hope just because he's that good, they can't afford him to have to, to have him in Bridgeport and they have to have him playing in an Islander sweater, hopefully at some point this year. When Salah was drafted, he, listen, he's a very talented guy, but to me it's a sign of a good organization, good leadership, and again, going back to the development uh, and the people who are working with the players after they're drafted, whether they're working long distance, uh, perhaps during the pandemic or otherwise, it's a sign of a good organization when somebody is starting to develop at a more a quicker, more mature pace than expected. I think part of that is also competition, right? If you're Robin Salo and you believe in yourself, but you see, wow, look at you know, and Pulak, and, and now they've added Chara and and Green's back, and and you know all these other players are starting to emerge. It, it forces that player, it inspires that player, not forces it, inspires that player to work even harder and harder. So you know, ideally, that's what happens with great organizations. You think about the Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't know about you, but every once in a while they'll be like, hey, this guy kind of came out of nowhere, and now he's getting. 20 goals in, in, in part-time play. So uh, it's a it's a great development, no pun intended, for the Islanders, and I agree with you. So uh, uh, it'll be exciting to see. I think you'll you'll probably get a look at him at some point this season. Awesome. All right, so why don't we uh, why don't we jump into some uh, some predictions here, especially for some of the big goal scorers on this team, where at, at times in years past, look, this team's arguably the number one defensive team in the NHL. That's a, a ledger that they've carried about themselves for the last two years now. Uh, they were only second behind Vegas in goals against per game uh, last season, but at times it's been the offense that uh, that has kind of struggled for them, especially in the postseason, so in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So in terms of getting the goals when they need them this year, let's look at obviously you know three of the biggest names and kind of see where we uh, where we see them ending You know when, this, when the regular season ends in April. And let's start with the captain. Let's start with Anders Lee. Uh, Chris, how many how many goals do you think he racks up this year? I I have him at thirty five, and this will be one where I wouldn't be surprised if I'm wrong and I'm way low. And I I guess it's also it's like when you most recently see him and he get, gets a couple of goals in the exhibition game, but I have him at thirty five. Uh, it would be the second best in his career. I think the Islanders would sign up for it. I would not be surprised, though, if he eclipses 40. Uh, he certainly is capable of doing it. I think a few things happen that have to happen around him. And, of course, health. For, let's face it, for all these projections, anything, any projections we make, this is based on a player being healthy for most of the season. So I'm going 35 for Andrews Lee. How about you? Yeah, I was I was kind of torn with myself and thinking about it, and I'm saying, can he get 40 this year? And I really think he can. And I, I think he's going to come with either within one goal or he's going to actually get 40 goals right on the dot. Uh, you know, again, I, I think this season for him is about retribution. More Obviously, in, in terms of getting to the Stanley Cup this time and avenging the ghosts and the losses to Tampa Bay, but also proving that he is still one of the best forwards and and one of the best first liners in the entire sport. And uh, I think he is going to be out for blood this year. And I think he is going to be at, at the net. I think he's going to be redirecting goals. I think he's going to be finishing 
on rebound goals. I think he's going to be putting goals in on the power play. I do think 40 is an absolute possibility. And, and for me, it's the prediction for Lee to have Anders Lee to have 40 goals this year. And who do we have next? And then tell me your projection for him. Uh, let's go with Brock. Let's go with Brock Nelson. And, you know, Brock is somebody that led the team in, in goals scored last year in the shortened season. And I think he's going to have a ton of opportunities again this year. Um, you know, he had, what was it? His, he would have, probably would have had his six twenty goal season if it was a regular year. So, and again, this is a guy that has been very durable. He's only missed two games in the past seven seasons. So he is, knock on wood here, he is always healthy. And, you know, he continues to do a little bit of everything for this team. Um, he's always on the power play for them because he's so dangerous in the way he can set up. He can, he can generate opportunities. Uh, that being said, I, you know, just because of how much depth this team has in terms of their goal scoring options, you know, I, I think at times they don't need to rely on Brock. They don't need to rely on, they're not going to need to rely on Paul Murray. They're not going to need to rely on Matty. Um, I, I think Brock comes in right around 25 goals. Yeah, I have him at 28. Uh, and, and, you know, I, again, capable of more. Let me be super clear here. I love this player. Uh, he, I, I, listen, I remember he was drafted in the first round. We had a lot of fun with the fact that uh, Charles Wong and, and Garth Snow had Kevin Connolly from Entourage uh, take the stage and, and announce the pick. So we always kind of credit Kevin Connolly, the actor from Long Island, for drafting Brock Nelson, although obviously the Islander scouts did. Uh, and the, the, the billing was that he was going to be a really strong two-way player and a solid second-line center and all those things. And to me, he has exceeded all expectations. I, you know, there are so many games where I'm watching, and with my untrained eye, he's the best all-around player. He's, let's do it this way. He's the best all-around forward on the ice, and often for both teams. So I'm going with 28. Uh, that would that would be a career high twenty six twice, um, but again, I, I've just over the last few years I've become a huge Brock Nelson fan. Yeah, yeah, and and with good reason. And uh, let's let's finish here in terms of goal projections. Let's then go with the first line right winger. Got him last year. Obviously, Lamorello struck gold again with Kyle Palmieri. Uh, how many goals do you think he finishes this? This, this, is, this is the toughest one for me uh, to try to figure it out. I am not like Palmieri. I liked him, you know, before he became an Islander and certainly had a good playoff. Uh, I only have him at 25, which isn't bad. I think obviously he would want more, but this is a player who for his career has been a 25 to 30 goal scorer. I do not see him blowing way past that, whereas I think Anders Lee could get more than 35. So I'm going with 25 for Kyle Palmer. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, you mentioned it, 25 to 30 goals kind of averages most of his career, 25 or more goals in four of the past six seasons. And I think just playing along that first line, with Lee and with Matty Barzell, um, I think that's going to obviously provide him a plenty of opportunities for to score goals. And I, I think that the Islanders are going to have four, 25 or more goal scorers. I think he is uh, another one of them. I think he gets 26. Good stuff. I want to go with points for a few guys here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
So Barzal is obviously the, the obvious first guy we should take a look at because he's more of that all-around player. I have him at 70, Pat, uh, 85 in his first full season. Uh, I'm sure the Islanders would want more, uh, but I'm setting that bar that overall. Let's say, let's say I'm setting it at 70. Where do you have it? I would say he even gets more than that. I think he's got 75 in him this year. I think he has 45 assists or more in the tank this year. I mean, his passing is, is unbelievable. And to thread the puck into so many tight spaces and skate out of danger and, and draw two defenders to him and find the open player, he does it better than most guys in the NHL, in the entire league. So I really think 70 is kind of the floor for him, and I think he's going to finish with 75. All right, and possibly even more. J.G. Pajot, tough one, like Palmieri, a tough one for me to gauge because even though I know Parisi, he starts with Parisi and Wallstrom, I don't know if that's where he's going to be all season. That's not a reflection on Pajot. It's more like, well, what happens with those other two guys? Because we just don't know, right? Like, let's let the games need to play out. Good players on, on both sides of them. I'm going with a what I think would be a conservative 45. Now, again, this is a player brings a lot more to the table as a forward than just points. Uh, and I think the Islanders, again, would be okay with that. He would probably say he's capable of a lot more and can really have a breakout point season for him. But I'm going with 45 for Pajot. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's spot on. I, you know, we're actually very close with all these. I got him at forty. We did not. We did not. We made a point of not talking about this in the day. Yeah, exactly. I got him at forty-two, and I and I think you know because of some of the things you mentioned. One, he's got new partnerships this year on the third line with Wallstrom and Parise. He's kind. He's the Swiss Army knife, you know, as, as Trotz likes to call him. He's going to take a ton of faceoffs. He's going to be just as defensively minded at times as offensively minded. And um, I just I think a combination of those things, plus with the fact that he's obviously not as good of a goal scorer, um, I, I think as obviously a lot of other guys on this team, um, I think that will hinder his, you know, ability to rack up points at times this year. But he's going to get a, a good amount of assists. I think he'll have 42. And last one, I'm going to go with Josh Bailey. You know, it was amazing. Somebody uh, tweeted out to me uh, photos of me, I think, interviewing uh, Bailey and Martin, who were still on the team, when I was with the team or the early years of the blog. And to think that they're both on the team and major contributors is, is just awesome. Uh, Josh Bailey is one of the nicest uh, people around, and it's just been so great to see that he has found a longtime home here and made it through the expansion draft. I'm going with 55 points for Bailey this season. Uh, I wanted to note that in the three seasons before the pandemic and the shortened season, so in the three seasons, full seasons, the last three uh, full seasons, he's had 56 points, 71 and 56. So I'm putting it at around 55. The thing with Bailey is he could wind up with 60 or more. He could, he tends to be streaky where he might go eight or nine games with just one or two. And you're wondering what's up with Josh. And then he gets 15 and 10 games. So 55 is where I am for Bailey. Yeah. I got him at 58 again, you know, very close with one right. another. Um, you know, I think we're, I think it turns out we're going fairly chalk, right? Like we haven't gone crazy off the board with with anybody yet. Yeah, and again, I just I think that lends itself to the mindset of this team and the way that Barry coaches them and the fact that he doesn't want 
to rely on one guy over another and everybody's going to do their job and everybody's going to contribute in the ways that they can best. And I think Josh is exactly emblematic of that. You know, he's got such great IQ. He's so smart. Um, he brings, you know, a really, really good, um, effective energy to the line with, with Nelson and Beauvillier, um, who probably will have more goals than him, and you know, which is another reason why that the, the number for him is probably going to be right on the mark of what it's been. But you said it. He's you know averaging um, you know just over 0.7 points per game since 2016. He's very consistent overall. I know you said he's streaky, but again, you know those points kind of seem to uh, fall in the same range every single year. Um, so I, I think for Josh, 58 points. And, um, you know, again, but we, we saw how hot he got last year in the playoffs. So that's, that's obviously when it matters most. But I think for the regular season, 58 for Josh. Excellent. After a little break uh, for a word from me about our sponsor, we're going to talk about Jack Eichel, what will define this Islanders season as a success. Uh, I'm going to make a pick for an Islanders Hall of Fame that currently physically does not exist. And we're going to answer some of your questions. But just want to take a quick moment uh, for a shout out for our sponsor for Islanders Check, And that's the Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. I don't know if you've been to this uh, place, uh, but it is really unique. It's a nice place to kind of unplug and play board games and have snacks and not have. Yeah, I know it's weird hearing this on a podcast, but have the TVs off and everything off. They have a huge selection of hobby and family strategy board games for sale old favorites hot new releases a library of over 400 board games for open play their staff helps you pick out games and shows you how to play find your crowd at one of their magic the gathering pokemon or dungeons and dragons events for adults and kids including a DD after school program offering both which is offered both virtually and in person and they don't just have those games they, as they said they have 400 more this is a full service cafe food and drink coffee and desserts beer and wine yes fun and friends located at 307 main street in huntington village it's 307 main street in huntington village beautiful place uh, for everybody from the island of new york to go to but also go to mainstreetboardgame.boardgamecafe.com for more information that's main st boardgamecafe.com for more information main street board game cafe unplug your game all right we're back on islanders for check our additional episodes of hockey press pass podcast chris botta and pat boyle and chris jack eichel continues to be one of the biggest storylines in the nhl what are your thoughts on when and if he could get traded and and just exactly what's going on with uh, everything in buffalo Ultimately, I think there's a great chance he goes to the Calgary Flames. That's just a hunch of mine. Um, I don't think the Islanders will be in play. It wouldn't make sense for them to break up a core. And never mind salary cap gymnastics or anything else. My main point on Eichel that I want to raise is, and we see this all the time in sports and definitely in hockey, when a player is out, and in this case he has a serious injury that he needs surgery for, and there's a debate with the Sabres and, and Eichel's camp. But the longer a player sits out, Eichel's a good player. He's a very good player, maybe even a great one. But the longer guys out, it almost he becomes this like mythical figure. And everybody, it, it, 
people start getting hungrier for them and teams start offering more. Now, the Sabres don't have a lot of leverage in the trade, but the thing that's worth looking out for is when you keep on talking about how this guy will absolutely change your franchise. I don't think, I think he's great, but he's not McDavid. He's not what Crosby was. He's not, you know, and, and he's coming off, he will be coming off surgery. So take a look at that and take a look at the kind of language that's being used in the trade rumors about how unbelievable Eichel is. He's a great player, could play on my team, could take a team and, and help them become much better. But let's cool off a little bit about what a healthy Jack Eichel is. That's my view. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. And uh, now let's, uh, shall we go to some questions from our fans and from the audience? Yeah. Yeah. We got a bunch from Twitter and we go, we could tackle about three, but we're going to get to all of them at some point in the season. Okay, sure. So let's start with the second year forward, Oliver Wallstrom. Alex Kantrovitz asks, will this be a breakout season for Oliver? I think it could be a good season. I don't know what Alex Kantrovitz's definition of breakout. I mean, I think we know a breakout season when we see it. That would, to me, for a goal scorer like Oliver, that would be 30 goals, right? 25 goals at least. Um, I don't think so. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to be a very important player. It doesn't mean he won't have a big moment in the playoffs or several big moments in the playoffs. But, you know, again, kind of in the category of what I just said about Eichel, another thing that happens in hockey is it is very tough, Pat. Head coaches, when they are trying to win, it takes a lot for a young, high-skilled player to convince, to earn the trust of that head coach to constantly put him out. We're seeing with Wallstrom that there seems to be some hesitancy. Now, he's made the opening night lineup, and he's on the team. Don't get me wrong. You know, they, they, they like the player. But there's always going to be a hesitancy. We saw it in the playoffs, right, when they played uh, Leo over him. So I just can't sit here and predict. We predict a lot of things in the first 35 minutes of the show. But I can't sit here and predict a breakout season for Oliver Wallstrom. I believe he will have a good season that will have moments. But I'm not convinced it will be a true, glorious 30-goal-plus breakout season. Yeah, I kind of agree. You know, he's got to be able to stay healthy, one. And two, it's going to be tough with how many goal scorers are on this team for him to make a household name for himself, more th- more so than just as a, as a really solid second-year player. And I, I think, you know, the big thing you're looking for him this year is to build off the chemistry he had with JGP last year and then see how he can score goals and build chemistry along with Parise on that third line. Hopefully he stays on that third line and, you know, Barry doesn't have to make a lot of adjustments. So I, you know, I agree with you as well on that. 15 goals, 20 goals would be great, I think, for him this year. And this next question comes from James Harding. Uh, how do you feel about Big Z? How do you feel about Chara and Andy Green potentially being regulars in the lineup versus having them rotate to keep both of them fresh? Well, they, I mean, they're going to be regulars in the lineup. They've cracked the more than cracked the top six, uh, but. I, I'm sure that Trotz and the coaching staff have some plans or some thoughts. Uh, an important note here is that the team is playing 18, has 18 back-to-backs. doesn't mean that Green and Char are going to sit on the back end or alternate or whatever. But with the aforementioned Robin Salo, with Ajo, 
hickey on the farm, uh, some depth there. Uh, there will be moments where they will get a break. That's assuming, by the way, everybody's staying healthy, not just them, but the, the entire top six. I believe that uh, I'd be surprised if Green and Char, even if healthy, play more than 75 games. It just makes sense to rest them from time to time because this is a team with their eye on the prize. This isn't a team looking to just make the playoffs. They will do that. Uh, they have to look big picture, and I trust that the coaching staff is ready for that. Yeah, again, it's it's a long season. 82 games might feel like 100 this year because we're back to a normal schedule, normal travel outside of the first 13 games on the road. And, you know, again, you mentioned it. You want Chara and you want Green and you want everybody to be available and playing in May and June, more so than you need them in December and January. So I think that factors into it as well. Uh, this next question comes from Dr. Crentist. When can we expect a contract extension from Barry Trotz? He's going to get one, and we're not going to find out that he got one. That, that's what's <laughs> going to happen. If, if the Islanders went to lengths to not announce player contracts, which there's a filing system and, and some PR sense of obligation that most teams have to and I, announce. And I think Lou Lamorello has a role in that as well. Yeah. And there is no salary cap for coaches. It's an important thing to remember that I think sometimes we forget. You know, uh, Trot's got a great contract when the Islanders signed him uh, you know, three years ago. Uh, it, that number does not that, – that's the owners, right? That They make that happen. Lamorello makes a recommendation. So, uh, listen, uh, even – if things didn't go superbly this year, Trotz has proven his value. If Trotz ever was to become free, just like he did, he kind of set himself free from Washington after winning the Stanley Cup, he would get blank checks from some teams. Some teams would actually fire an existing coach who wasn't one of those people to be most likely to be fired in the offseason to put in Trotz. Yeah. That's how much of a golden touch and a talented guy Trotz has and his coaching staff too. Let's not forget about all the assistant coaches, the goalie coaches, everybody involved. I believe that's a, that's a team unit there of coaches, but he's going to get one. My guess is that perhaps before next season, maybe even at the start of next season, we'll hear, which would be the last year of his contract, that he has a new contract. Terms will not be announced. They might get out through you know, an insider or two, but that would be my guess. It isn't something that I'm worried about. I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody's worried about either. I think it'll happen in the next 12 to 16 months, uh, and we won't know about it. We'll eventually hear about it through a reporter. Okay, let's uh, let's finish up here really quickly with three more things, and let's talk about something that you helped start when you were a part of the team, the Islanders Hall of Fame. It's something that's kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit over the last uh, couple of years. But Chris, why, why don't you talk about that a little bit, and and you know maybe a pick for the the next player for the Islanders Hall of Fame. Yeah, the Islanders Hall of Fame was created about 20, 15, 20 years ago now with the idea that you had your Hall of Famers, your Hockey Hall of Famers, and Bob Nystrom, Mr. Islander. But then this is a team that 
was a dynasty and you wanted to, and by the way, other teams do this, many other teams do this. So they have a ring of honor or something like that. So uh, it started with the induction of Bob Bourne, who was a member of all four Stanley Cup teams. And then, you know, Kenny Johnson has been put in, other players have been put in, but there hasn't, there's, then there was a long stretch where there weren't any uh, additions made and it's starting to come back under the new ownership. My hunch, it's somewhat of an educated one, is that in the new arena, not ready to be announced now, but at some point in the new arena, there will be some area for fans to go, for the public to see uh, more of the plaques, and they, they will continue to induct people. There are so many now, including, by the way, players who were on that 93 team, 87 team, players who were not on great teams, like Ziggy Palfi is an obvious one who comes to mind. Um, uh, Darius Kasparaitis is somebody who I think would be worthy of it. I think those players you know, will be at it. You want a place for 20 years from now for Barzal to go if he doesn't get into the Hockey Hall of Fame or the great players that everybody loves now. So I believe it's something that will pick up, continue to pick up steam and will have a physical place. My pick in this first episode that I would put up, and there's many I could choose from, but I'm going with Pat LaFontaine. Pat LaFontaine, I understand that he wound up asking asking to be traded, but I worked for the team at the time. There was an issue with ownership. Bill Torrey, the general manager of the Islanders, with Don Meehan, Pat LaFontaine's agent, they were on the same page about that and why uh, Pat uh, felt the need to go. Torrey did not blame him. So this isn't something where somebody quit on the team. There was so much more to that. This was an incredible player for the Islanders, for the Sabres, uh, briefly for the Rangers. He gave the Islanders his best while he was in the lineup. He put up fantastic numbers. His timing, like Patrick Flatley's, wasn't great because it was at the end of the dynasty. On top of that, this is somebody who gives as much to the communities where he has played and where he lives, uh, including Long Island, uh, through his charity. And so this is soup to nuts, a superstar player and an incredible person uh, who deserves to be at some point in the next couple of years in the Islanders Hall of Fame. All right. Awesome stuff. And let's uh, let's finish here now with this season, 2021-2022. Probably as much hype and excitement for an Islanders team in 30 years, if not more. And it almost seems like Stanley Cup or bust this season. So, Chris, let me ask you this. What will make this a successful year? Is it indeed cup or bust? It, it, listen, the, the mantra of the team and everybody around it. Ha- and by the way, it's like this when you're not good. The whole idea is to win the in Stanley Cup, right? Like, <laughs> like So, so let, let's start with that. I don't want to hear, well, you, you set the bar too low. Just like I heard from Ranger fans when I mentioned that this past season, the past season was a memorable one. Yeah, you're going to remember it. Like you remember 93. I, I understand you didn't win the Stanley Cup, but this was a pandemic and a unique situation and players emerged and it was special and then fans started to come back and it was the end of the Coliseum. So yeah, you're going to fucking remember it. Like I don't, like the you know, that doesn't mean it was the ultimate success. So that's where the bar is there. I don't think we're going to know the answer to that question until it's all over. 
you they they are one of the contenders to win a Stanley Cup. It will be a failure of the season. We'll twist the question. I'll twist the question if they come up way short of that. But if they go all the way to the Cup final and it turns out, you know, it's Colorado's turn or it's Vegas's turn, you know, they. But the others aren't the only team. We might think so because we're in this, you know, silo. But the others are not the only team who are ready to take that next step. I just named two. You could say Carolina. There's a lot of people who believe in Carolina. Not there yet. Um, But so we'll know it when we see it. We know what a failure would be. But I can't sit here and say if they go to, if they get through Tampa or whoever uh, in the conference finals, should they make it that far, and they fall a little bit short now in this next step, that that is a unsuccessful season. Well, no, they took another step. Ultimately, the goal is the Stanley Cup. What about you, Pat? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's as close to cup or bust as you can get because two years in a row now, you've had your season ended by the eventual Stanley Cup champions yeah, one yeah. round before it. And, Chris, I think we can agree that the Islanders probably would have won it all against the Stars. They definitely would have won it all against the Canadians. And, and they've gotten better. You know, It's a very similar roster. You have Anders Lee back now. They didn't have him last year for the for the Cup run. So they they got to make it happen. You know, if this year ends and another Eastern Conference Finals loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning, it's going to be crushing. And it's yeah. going to feel as if we can't beat this team, no matter what we do. Yeah. That no, that, you, bring, you bring up a great point. They, they, they don't want, you can't lose to Tampa again in the third round. And it's funny to say that because you were signed up for that years ago. So, so no, I, I get that. That's why I say we won't really know how this season will be looked at till it's completely over. But falling short to Tampa, who should be exhausted, uh, from all the partying and all the games played and everything else, and we saw it in their opener. So I get that. Yeah, and, and I, I think that this is a mature team. Uh, Trotz has already acknowledged that it's cup or bust. He, he has basically said that. He knows it's the expectations of the fan base. This team's embracing it. So, again, if I, I think you hit it pretty perfectly. If they get to the cup and lose, you got to the cup. And you say if you run into a red-hot uh, Colorado team or a red-hot Vegas team – you know, then then so be it. But I, I think they've got to get there. I think that I think it will be a bust if they don't get to the cup this year. And hey, uh, no, I was just going to say, and with that, what what is your overall optimism? On the, on yeah, the optimism so, you know, on I the think 10. we want to at, at the end of each of these epi- episodes, we want to check in on the optimism meter, one to ten, ten being sitting here in October. Do I think they're going to win Stanley Cup? I'm going to say six and. I don't want to get defensive here, but I want people to understand that's good, right? So, you know, I don't know about the third line, and we don't know about the third line, right? There's a lot of things that we don't know. We know that this is a contending team, but just sitting, that doesn't mean that I don't think they're going to win. I'm just saying, as we're about to start the season with these 13 games on the road, I'm at a six. When we do this again in a couple of weeks or whenever, that number will go up and down. But right now, I am at a six, which to me is what I would describe as cautiously optimistic, maybe even cautiously very optimistic. I would put maybe Colorado at a seven. I don't know if I'd give anybody, I I wouldn't give Tampa more than a six. So just to kind of set the bar where I'm putting this number, that's where I am. I hope things go beautifully and they stay healthy so that that number grows and we're sitting here in March and April and I'm saying 
right? I'm at a nine. And yes, it is cup or bust because they're healthy. They got a hundred and something points. They won the East. If they don't win the Stanley Cup, it, this season will be a, totally unsuccessful. So right now I'm at a six. Where are you at? I think that's low. I think for somebody who said they're cautiously optimistic, I still think a six is low. I'm going with a nine. I think they get to the cup this year. Look, they've got the number one goal tanding tandem in the tandem. Uh, say that five times fast. They've got the number one goaltending tandem in the NHL. And I get Varley's starting the, on the season. He's injured. He's banged up. He might miss the first handful of games or so. He's going to be there in the playoffs. So you got him. Sorokin, too, is somebody that could potentially overtake him once the playoffs come uh, by everything is said and done this year. He's going to be 26 this season. Could be one of the best young goaltenders in the entire league. Again, Anders Lee is back. Pelican Pulak, one of the strongest defensive tandems in the entire league. Matty Barzell, absolute stud. I mean, again, I'm, I'm expecting 70 points minimum out of him this year. And if guys like Parise, who, you know, fill the void of Eberle, can he, if he can channel some moments of, of his peak wizardry at times this year, it's, it's icing on the cake. You know, they've, they've got face-off studs collectively. The centers on this team are all excellent, well-rounded contributors. Brock is a top-line guy on a few handful of teams in this league and and we've seen guys like you know Pajot and Bailey take their game to the next level in the playoffs and I I think Lou has now assembled the most veteran-based presence in the league you know they've got an average age of about 30 with a hearty helping of playoff experience on top of it and again you get a full season now of Palmieri to gel with Barzell and Lee they're going to be a real problem every time they step on the ice both in how they score goals and how physical they will play and how they're going to bully teams around in the neutral zone. And they're just going to be a fortress in front of the net to score against this year. So I, I think the hype is deserved and I think they live up to it. I, I think the hype is deserved as well too. And I, there isn't a single thing that you just said that I will argue. I'm going to make one last prediction before I have a couple of thank yous here. My last prediction is in the next show or two, my number is going to go up and yours is going to go down because <laughs> I, I think I think you started too high. That's that's my your reaction to that, sir. Um, look, I mean, I just I've seen the way I've seen the way that they've gone the last couple of years. And, you know, I'm a fan at the end of the day. People forget they, they, they struggled in the, toward the end of the regular season last year. They, they were, you know, I was, I was, I was the optimist and I was tweeting saying this doesn't matter. They're going to be there when it counts. And every, a lot of people were tweeting at me saying they're done. They're toast. They're yeah. I was got, wondering whether listen, or not they're going to be able to be Pittsburgh. Yeah, they didn't get and they didn't get to the finals, but people were just like, "No, they're done. They're going to lose in the first round. They didn't make the proper moves." So that's why I, I get, you know, I'm I'm cautiously, I'm going with cautiously, very optimistic. And then number six, you were going to say something? No, I'm just going to. I'm I'm an optimist at heart. So you know, again, I, I'm I'm at a nine, and I, I just can't wait. I, I can't wait to see how this team does. A couple of notes I just wanted to throw out there before you send us off. Our best of the Islanders meetup, Charlotte group. They've got about 250 Islander fans going to the game, or the season opener in Raleigh. Thanks to the Game Board Cafe in Huntington, who helped make this episode possible. Thank you to Pat Boyle, who's producing, co-hosting, doing it all. Could not do any of this for the Hockey Press Pass without him. I also want to give stick taps to all the Islanders reporters, 
you know, we read your stuff that helps informs us in addition to the stuff that we know, but Arthur Staple, The Athletic, Andrew Gross of Newsday, Travel with the Team, Molly Walker at The Post, the people at Isles Fix, Isles Blog, Lighthouse Hockey, forgive me for, you know, for the websites I am missing, all of you in the Islanders blogosphere, and all the NYI bloggers and podcasters out there doing great work, to Shannon, Brendan, Butch, AJ, and the TV crew, radio guys, Chris King and Greg Picker, the Islanders PR staff, Kimber Auerbach and company, everyone who gets the word out about the team. We appreciate all of it. And our thanks to the fans. Enjoy the season. It's going to be a long one in a good way. There's going to be highs and lows, but try your best to enjoy it every step of the way. And we're going to be here every once in a while. I think it's going to be a memorable season. All right. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you on the next episode of Press Pass.